This programme was produced at and first aired on NPR, Manawatu People's Radio, with support from New Zealand On Air. Kapai Irarangi Tomotu, NPR. If you're a fan of NPR, listening to our podcasts and live stream has never been easier. Just search for accessmedia.nz on the App Store or Google Play and download the app with the Kiwi Fruit logo. Once you've got it, pick Manawatu People's Radio from the list of stations and go find your new favourite show. Morena no mai kiti korero and welcome to the catch-up on Manawatu People's Radio. Tereo irarangi o natangata o Manawatu. Ko Fraser Gregor ho. Uh, it is a, what is it, a Wednesday morning, which means we turn our attention to Palmerston North City Council. Uh, I think for the last time in a little while as they head into recess for July. Uh, but in the studio we have Councillor Renee Dingwall uh, Atamarie. Morena. Um, first time councillor. I think this is maybe the second time we've spoken in your current tenure because uh, there are 16 of you, so it takes a while to get round everyone. How's it going? Uh, a lot better now, I have to say. So, you know, I'm 20 months in and um, I've been telling a lot of people this because people keep saying, how's it going? What's it like being a councillor? Um, the first year really sucked. It was <laughs> it was pretty bad. Honesty, honesty. <laughs> you know, um, so for me, being a first time councillor in the middle of COVID was no fun at all. Mm. Um, uh, and, and I guess that's kind of um, something that I'm reflecting on a lot now because I got elected in in October in 2019 and then we had like Christmas and then we were just starting to get, you know, a bit more training and, and then COVID happened and then suddenly we're getting asked, you know, um, what to do about our annual budget at that stage. And for me, you know, I was still trying to get my head around what it is that council actually does mm-hmm. and all of the different budget lines and all of that. Um, and so when we had council saying, well, we've lost actually quite a significant amount of money in the millions, do we want to cut the services or raise the rates? That was a really, really daunting space to be in mm-hmm. first off the bat. Um, so I was part of the crew at the time who uh, voted for the 1.95% um, increase in yep. rates. And over the last year, we've kind of seen the the impact of that and and how um, how you know our, our organisation has struggled a little bit to to cope with um, the demands mm-hmm. um, that everyone has on council. So you voted for that one point nine five increase, um, and and as you say, part of that is because it was a, a daunting space to be in. I mean, this is the problem with local government, where you get in essence Joe Bloggs off the street with no better or worse knowledge than anyone else, suddenly an elected uh, representative on council. Um, I wouldn't it, go that far. Well, yeah, but, no, yeah. but I, if you'd had more support or if the decision had come at a different time or you'd felt more comfortable in the role or had a better understanding of things like you do now, would you have voted differently? Uh, to be honest, no, I don't think I, I, I would have. I think, do you think, well, in that case, do you think there's a danger that you may have done in maybe a different decision or a different number you would have voted differently? You know, was was the lack of support fundamental enough that a a mistake like that could happen? Um, I I don't think so for me. So essentially what happened with me was I went into council thinking I'm going to change the world like a lot of people do. Um, You know, uh, the the really good councillors are the ones who are there because they want to make a difference. Um, And I've come from a non 
profit background, so well, a for-purpose background. So, you know, I'd, I'd spent years in the community sector, and that was kind of where I wanted to to mm-hmm. make some changes. But when COVID hit, and and the time that it hit, you know, with we went into lockdown in March, and we were making decisions around our annual budget, you know, in in April, May, and then finalizing it in June. So. At that stage, we still didn't know what the impact of COVID was going to be. We didn't know how long we'd be in this big lockdown mm. for. Mm. So I think that was the big key change. If I'd had three more years under my belt before getting to that point, um, I might have been able to see a bit more on how um, such a low rates increase would impact mm. the organisation. And this is the other thing that we heard a lot of the narrative at the time was that a, a low rates increase, we're going to pay for that in the future because we're doing this predominantly because we worry about people being able to afford it. Mm. Uh, brace yourselves, the next one will be big. And true to form, you know, we've gone from expected increases, you know, people always used to bandy around sort of 3 to 5% a year. We got it down to 1.95 last year. This year, 8%. Yes. That's a hard sell even with that narrative. It, yes, it is. And so and I think that's that's one aspect of of where we're at today. So um I know it's 8%, but actually I'm feeling a lot better about this 8% than I was about the 1.95% last year. Um and so for me, part of that is because of all the really amazing things that we've managed to get through this council in this year. So we're, we're just signing off on our, our long-term plan. Officially, today will be officially the day that we actually sign it off for good. Um, but we've managed to do things like double our social housing budget from $7 million to $14 million, mm. which um, that in itself was a massive win for, for, for progress, I think. Um, so that was a recommendation that um, Councillor Johnson put up, and I seconded um, based on submissions from people saying that you know the the housing crisis is really really bad in Palmerston North, and that was one of the things that that actually drew me to being a city councillor. Mm-hmm. So when I was running in in 2019, I was I was one of the only candidates at the time uh, uh, that weren't incumbent, the only new candidates. Um, who was actually saying that there was a housing crisis. Mm. And at that it's a hard sell for the council. I remember trying to tell the council that there were homeless people uh, in the city, and I was told that that was nonsense. Um, but their definition of housing uh, was at odds with what the current narrative was, which included people living in cars, couch surfing, sleeping in garages, etc., etc. Actually, there's quite a few. Yes. And so, and I guess for me, you know, even when you look at the numbers, five years ago, we only had about um, 20 people on our housing New Zealand waiting list who urgently needed homes and couldn't get one. Now we have well over 600. Mm-hmm. And so that difference in the last five years um, is phenomenal. Um, there's, there's there's a lot more uh, people who actually have, you know, both parents working and still can't afford a home. Yep. And with the rents going up the way that it is uh, and, and housing just, you know, I remember actually being able to look at houses that were in the 200K yeah. price bracket. You can, you can, very rarely find a, a you know, a, a family flat. home. Well, yeah. A, you can't even find a flat these days no. for under 400K. No. You know, it's family you, home, half a million. 
That's the one. And this is Palmerston North, which is meant to be one of the cheapest places to live. And, you know, somebody missed the men- memo on that one, Renee. <laughs> um, but this is, I mean, this, this is a neat little segue, actually, into uh, what will we call this? Renee's community notices. Um, <laughs> because uh, you're talking about social housing and, and the council's commitment to that. And, and part of that is the consultation on the Summer Hayes Bowling Club. So there's some dates around that. Yes. So the consultation actually closes on the 9th of July. Which is very very Friday. very soon. Friday, which is Friday. Mm. So um, if you if you're wanting to see that space get turned into housing, now is the time to put put your or not forward. or not. Mm. Um, so I mean, some people it used to be a reserve. Um, but it's in it, it's a kind of a weird space because it doesn't really look out onto the street. You no. know, you kind of go down an alleyway and it's in the it's it's down the alleyway. Yeah. Um, so it, it it's worth actually going and checking out and seeing what you think we could do with that space. Um, there are some issues with the grounds because it's been used as a bowling club. It's had chemicals mm-hmm. on it for some time. Um, so there are issues there. I know that some people have talked about community gardens and that's cool, but there are those issues yes. that you need to think about as well. Um, so if, if you are keen on seeing council do more housing, mm-hmm. that is your opportunity to say, you know, maybe summer haze, maybe not, but yep. it's it's your choice. And I mean, there's plenty of ways of letting the council know. You can phone up the customer service centre, you can send an email. It will all be documented as long as you speak to someone at council. Yes. Um, there's no sort of formal, well, I think there are forms to fill in, but you can you can get round that and just phone up and go, tell them this, uh, and they'll make sure. Yes, um, we're trying to be as accessible as we can. Indeed. Uh, also in Renee's community notices, um, because as we said, I think this is the last catch up because council's going into recess, it's worth acknowledging the civic awards. Yes. So um, each year there uh, there are civic awards. So um, these are people who have been volunteering, who are doing amazing work in the community, and we just want to recognize them. So if you know of anybody who, who you think fits that description, um, definitely get in touch with the council and put their nom- your nomination in for the Civic Awards, and that closes on the 15th of August. Marvellous. And uh, one final thing, as a responsible dog owner yourself, uh, <laughs> you want people to remember to register their dogs. Yes. So um, you need to register your dogs before the 1st of August because that's when you'll start to get penalty fees. Mm-hmm. So um, if you haven't done it already... Um, definitely do it now uh, and definitely before the 1st of August um, to avoid those penalties. Marvellous. We are here with Councillor Rene Dingwall uh, from the Palmerston North City Council uh, on the Catch-Up. Remember, if you want to listen to this or previous editions of the Catch-Up series, just head to the website mpr.nz forward slash show forward slash catch-up. We're also on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your online listening. Um, You talked there, Rene, about being as accessible as possible as an institution. So people can obviously engage. Um, Andy Asquith, uh, twice unsuccessful candidate uh, at City Council, uh, doesn't seem to have dinted his enthusiasm for local government. Uh, He wrote an op-ed in The Standard. Uh, He has deep concerns about the level of voter engagement, I think mostly during election time, but obviously that extends to throughout the period with submissions and hearings and consultations as well. Um, What are we going to do? to address this this dwindling interest in local government? Um, so with, with Andy, I do think that he has part of a point there um, because definitely there does need to be a bit more engagement between the community and council and that is really, really hard to actually achieve in, mm. in practice. Um, so for me, I've 
I've been trying to connect with Pacifica communities and vulnerable people, and and that is is difficult yep. because essentially this is a colonial system, and so this is a system that has been set up by a group of people who traditionally has favoured the wealthy and the pale, powerful, male and frail, pretty much. And so there's a there's a huge um, amount of people out there who actually struggle with this because. Any kind of authority, any kind of um, colonial system doesn't mm. doesn't fit with them. And it's not that it, it doesn't just fit with cultural communities, that being very true in and of itself. But I remember Abby Symes when she did her mayoral campaign and the subsequent councillor campaign at City Council trying to attract the youth vote. And I thought she was doing a sterling job mm. of rallying youth. But they just didn't come out and vote. Mm. And part of that is because I think often people don't feel that what they say makes a difference. Mm. And my, um, my stepson at dinner last night said the very same thing. I'm only one person. I can't make a difference. Mm. So he got a lecture, a spontaneous lecture on how everything starts with one person. Well, that's it. And I mean, going back to this housing thing that, that we were talking about, <laughs> our city council this year doubled the social housing budget to $14 million. Now, we weren't actually able to do that until so many people had sent in submissions saying, mm-hmm. this is not okay, this needs to happen. And so that is how we managed to get that through. The councillors couldn't have sat there and gone, you know what, we're just going to double the budget and, you know, that'll happen. It's it's really, it's the community voice mm-hmm. that kind of fuels the work that we do. And so how do you demonstrate that to the wider community, to youth, to cultural communities uh, in a meaningful way that means they might actually get that bit of mail out of their letterbox and put some ticks on it, or numbers in this mm-hmm. case, STV, and, and send it in? Well, the first thing is making sure that you have people in these positions who actually reflect the community. So when you do have diversity in the the governance um, side of things, that, that starts to that, – that is only the start, mm-hmm. but it does start to change the way people think about governance – um, and so for me, uh, I ended up getting a few votes because people actually saw me as being the only woman of colour on mm-hmm. council and, and that the, made a difference. This is the weird thing and there's, a, there's an element of an argument that I could at least comprehend, although I didn't agree with, with regards to Maori wards, is that if you prescribe it, then it somehow becomes less legitimate. But at the same time, I would say some sort of – with Maori wards, we're in a biculturally led multicultural country. I've said that very badly. But there are there should be, in essence, two cultures side by side running this country for the benefit of basically anyone who wants to live here. That's yes. what we're aspiring to. So I get the Maori wards and the sort of everyone else wards. Mm-hmm. But then how do you encourage people to stand, encourage people to vote for a broad diversity around the table. I mean, Palmerston North's doing okay. You're there. Orphe Michelad won the by-election. I thought that was a win for cultural diversity as well. But there's so, so many other people. I, I will say, yes, I'm there, but I also had to work really, really hard exactly. to get here. That's my point. Um, how, do you, how do you get the people to stand but also the people to vote Without that sort of so much effort into the prescriptive nature of it. Yeah, it's tough. <laughs> what are say. the answers, Renee? What are the answers? <laughs> I mean, that's it. It's. I think part of the thing that we need to do is actually champion the voices of people who are different, mm. um, who are not, you know, the the 
who don't often get to, to hear their voices heard. Um, and I struggle that even in council, I um, don't have as much privilege as some of my colleagues. And I see that often mm. in the spaces that we're in. The other thing is to stand at an election is a, a fairly, I mean, not not to bring this up and relitigate this. As you, you were backed by the Green Party. Therefore, you had their resources to help you run for uh, for the, the position. Orphan so, Mikelad in the by-election, we saw he spent a considerable amount of money to, in essence, not buy the seat, but buy enough awareness in the community that he stood a chance. So I will comment on that. Mm. So in terms of the Greens, yes, I got their, their branding and their endorsement, but in terms of the financial side of things, mm. I had to work for that. So essentially, I got the endorsement, but then I had to fundraise to get that money to be able to do the work. And so for me, I think we're at the stage at the moment with um, elected members where you either do need to have a lot of money, which mm. I do not, mm-hmm. or you need to have a lot of time. And so what I did was I actually quit my job and spent four months solidly campaigning morning till night, knocking on doors, ringing People like you know, I worked for that solid four mm-hmm. months to try and increase the the um, I guess my my uh, communication with with the community over that time, and that sort of helped me get in. So with the Greens branding, um, that highlighted to the community what my values were, which you know, all about looking after people, all about looking after the community, mm-hmm. and that. Um, I feel probably did help me in some aspects. But Should everybody we... does have kind of, you know, political leanings mm. um, in council. And I suppose for me, I was willing to wear that on my chest. Yeah. So. Is, is, is there a need to put like a, a ridiculously low cap on the amount of money that people can spend on campaigns so that people that don't have money still feel that they can run? Or will that just dilute the engagement possibilities even more? Because, I mean, Orphe Michelad's campaign was engaging. Whether you agreed with it or not, it was engaging, but mm. that came at a cost. Yeah, so that, again, I think that is another tricky one because, um, you know, obviously I don't have much money at all, so I wouldn't like an even playing field. But I don't think it'll ever be an even playing field until we actually do have 50% representation from Māori mm-hmm. and 50% representation from everybody else. Well, you said the word, so I'll go with it. The representation review ah, is yes. uh, underway. And, and this is uh, this has been triggered uh, by the uh, vote for Māori wards, but it, it encompasses more than that, doesn't it? Yes. Yeah, so essentially what we've got at the moment is, is we did – councillors did vote to bring in Māori wards – um, and we have mandate to do that. So that is going to happen. Um, and what this representation review actually uh, does is it looks at um, all the, the city councils. So currently you've got 15 city councils plus the mayor. Um, and what this review will do is help people to sort of decide how many councils we want, mm-hmm. we need to represent us. Is it 16? Is it less? Is it more? Um, and then with that will end up deciding how many Māori seats there are. So currently with 16 seats, two of them will be Māori. Mm-hmm. But if we go down um, and have less councillors, um, then you'd have only one Māori seat. This also goes so far as to suggesting how we uh, select those councillors, whether it be citywide voting, which we have at the moment, or you know the ward system, which 
scares some people and gets other people very excited. But there mm. are a number of models out there to be considered, mm. and this is the time to do it. And I guess this is the time for people to get in touch with council and go, "This is my preferred option." Mm. Yes, and it's and I think that's that's one of the really interesting things is you know there's over seventy uh, council well entities um, in New Zealand, and they all operate. A wee bit differently, mm-hmm. so there's no standard. First past the post, STV that, wards, citywide, districtwide, whatever, urban, rural, Maori. Mm. Mm-hmm. And so we hear a lot of comments around Palmerston North having quite a lot of councillors for for the size of our city, but um, that actually happened because we had um, a ward system, and so all, the amount of we we basically had sixteen wards, and, mm. and that kind of um, is where that number came from. But our city has grown dramatically. Since the ward system, was are you happy introduced. with sixteen then, or would you like to see it uh, come down a little bit? Um, I'm I'm leaving my options open. I, I want to hear from the community on mm. that because there's two sides of things. One is how many people are able to to represent the community, and and at the moment we do have a nice diverse balance, particularly but- with Grant's uh, leadership style, where you all have portfolios. Obviously, the less number of councillors you have, the either the more portfolios you take on or that number gets reduced a bit as well. Yes and no. So <laughs> so, so for me, um, uh, trying to be diplomatic, <laughs> so there are a certain amount of roles and responsibilities for councillors um, and the mayor does decide who, who basically gets what and some councillors have quite a few roles and some councillors, namely me, have none. So it's one of those things where you can actually balance things by sharing the load, mm. and I feel like that could happen a bit more in our current council. Do we need to have less councillors to be able to do that? I, you know, I, I don't know. The other side of things as well is the remuneration of councillors. Less councillors, everyone gets paid more. That's the one. So for me, um, having basically no extra roles or responsibilities, I'm one of the lowest paid city councillors, and I'm on 47K. And for a lot of people, that is actually not enough for them to be able to participate in, in the system. So you've got a lot of really bright, intelligent, you know, enthusiastic people out there who are working um, sort of full-time jobs and would love to put their hand up and join council, but they feel that they can't afford it. Mm-hmm. So that is that is something that we all need to balance. And we're not the ones who decide how much money we, we get – um, Local government New Zealand do that, don't they? Yeah, so it's the remuneration authority decides basically the pot of money we get for all of our councillors. Um, and so uh, the more councillors we have, the the more it's divvied up, basically. Mm. So that is just – that's another aspect to think about when we're looking at all of this. We are here with Renee Dingwall, councillor for Palmerston North City Council here on The Catch-Up. Um, we've got about six minutes left. Let's touch on a couple of headline grabbers. Parking, Renee, parking. Um, I heard uh, one rather uh, unfortunate uh, narrative around this. Ah, 16 people who never have to pay for parking uh, whilst they're on council deciding how much we should all pay for parking. Yes, I don't know if we've got six, uh, if six minutes is enough for me to talk about parking. Well, but. <laughs> let, let's go with where we are now because, mm-hmm. uh, as I understand, uh, the, the decision was made. The strength of public opinion on this matter was was underestimated, uh, I think, mm-hmm. and so uh, Grant Smith uh, fronted up to everyone and said, "Right, we're going to put this all on hold." Interestingly, not too many people were worried about the increase in cost. Most people could understand, you know, from one fifty to one. 
7.10 an hour, fair enough, costs go up, that's fine. Mm. But in particular, the hospitality and entertainment industry got really upset with the late night charges and getting rid of Sunday charges, uh, Sunday for free. Yes, so there are several things that concern me about this whole parking issue. Um, One of them was, um, for me, a year ago, in council, we were actually having a discussion about disability parking and the fact that the disability reference group came to council and said that they would like that disability parking signs to to have um, parking at all hours instead of just the you know um, the standard hours that we have. Mm-hmm. And so there was this whole discussion around, but we don't have parking officers to enforce disability, you know, mm-hmm. uh, to enforce um, it after hours. So should be we be increasing the hours? And so that was a discussion that was happening a year ago. Um, and one of our councillors ended up saying, um, I don't want um, parking officers walking past all these parked cars just to target the disability parking because that would be unfair. Mm-hmm. And then we had the mayor at the time saying, um, well, this was a discussion for the long-term plan. Fast forward a year, this is kind of one of the discussions that we're having. And so, so that, that issue is one issue. The other issue is the fact that more than 50% of our emissions come from transport. And as a council, this is one tiny lever that we can pull to try and get people to think about when they use their car and why and how long for and where they should park and all of those kind of things. Mm. Um, so it is it is a lever that that we can actually pull, which is it I, is. But when you when you don't have alternatives, and I understand Horizons are in charge of the buses, mm-hmm. and and uh, uh, Waka Kutahi, NZTA are in charge of a lot of the roads in the city that are highways. Mm-hmm. At the same time, uh, if you suddenly remove people's ability to park on a Thursday evening to go for a meal and a show mm-hmm. without having to nip out and move the car, or you know, having to budget in some instances for the parking. Mm-hmm. Well, if you can't get a bus and if you can't cycle in a good cycle lane or it's dangerous or if the, mm. the weather's poor, um, you start creating other issues. You know, women walking through the streets late at night to get to the car that they've had to move twice. Uh, just, I don't... Yes. So, so essentially, it's a chicken and egg conversation, isn't it? I mean, it's, it's, it's a way of thinking and it's a, it's, it's a tool for behavioural change. Mm. But at the same time, you've got a system at the moment where... It costs $5 for one adult to take a bus into town and back. So if you have a couple, that is $10 to take the bus into town and back, mm-hmm. whereas you can park a car for $1.50 an hour. So what is the incentive to actually catch the bus? And we've got um, lowering our emissions and becoming you know, uh, carbon neutral as our goals to being an eco-city, which is something that that council has agreed to and has gone out to consultation. I take issue issue with the term incentive. Uh, It's like saying hiking the price of cigarettes is an incentive to get people to stop smoking. I think we're beyond that point now, and now we're just punishing smokers. Uh, I'm an ex-smoker now, so I can say that. Um, (laughs) But it's not an incentive to people to take the bus instead of a car when it is cheaper to take a car. And people are budgeting. Poverty is going through the roof. People are sleeping in motels. It's not an incentive. It's a bit of a punishment. Yes and no. So Palmy is the kind of city where actually walking and cycling should be easy. It should be easy. Should be, yes. Um, and so why isn't it? And I suppose this is this is the thing. We need to look at all of our levers and all of the the um, the things that we can do as a council to kind mm. of um, focus change in the areas that we want to see change. And so. 
for me, it's about looking at what's happening now, but also what our city is going to look like 100 years from now. Mm. That's not to say that we should go ahead and do this because we have heard from some members of our community that they don't want us to. Mm. But in saying that, um, there are a bunch of people who we haven't heard from um, as well. So there's there's that side of things. And, um, and in terms of um, parking, you know, why shouldn't we be paying for parking our car? Why shouldn't we be paying for renting a space in the middle of town to put our car? There we go, Renee Dingwall's views on parking. Uh, if you want to listen to this or previous editions of the Catch Up series, head to the website npr.nz forward slash show forward slash catch up. Renee, thank you for joining us this morning. Thank you. And we will be back tomorrow with Horizons Regional Council and Tangi Utakeri on Friday, both at half past eight. Join us then. Bye for now. Support this show and others like it by giving a donation. For more information, go to www.mpr.nz forward slash donate.